weighing machine was created to help you, the financial advisor or investor, reach your long-term financial goals. Each episode, your hosts, Rusty Vanneman and I, Robin Murray, cut through the market clamor to find the time-tested principles that help investors succeed. The weighing machine is inspired by the classic investing saying attributed to Benjamin Graham. The stock market is a voting machine in the short term and a weighing machine over the long run. In other words, emotion and expectations drive short-term market movement, but fundamentals and valuations determine returns over time. Welcome to The Weighing Machine. Enjoy, and as always, let us know what you think. On the podcast today, it's all about retirement. Are we prepared and what can we do to get ready? We will also discuss the best credentials for retirement experts, the ins and outs of Roth IRAs, and the best retirement vehicles. That's with our guest, Brian Dobbis, Director of Retirement Solutions at Lord Abbott. Welcome to The Weighing Machine. I'm Rusty Vanneman. And I'm Robin Murray. Okay, let's start with a look at the markets. What are we watching for at the moment? We are recording this mere hours before the Federal Reserve does their kind of big announcements here in the middle of December. So I think that's going to really determine the direction going into year end. But at this point, we're having a great year. It's been a great year to be an investor. And quite frankly, I think we are setting the stage possibly to have our best year since the late 1990s. So fingers crossed on that. Well, this is the last podcast that we're recording in 2021. So as we look ahead to the new year, I'd like to get some predictions from you, Rusty. All right. This could be fun. (laughs) Maybe. All right. Maybe. (laughs) We'll see how right you are. All right. So the first one is inflation, obviously on the top of everyone's minds right now. Um, Does it continue to be a top issue in 2022? Well, I think so. I mean, coming into the year, obviously for consumers and citizens is a top issue. I think for investors, It's obviously an issue, but it's probably what the Federal Reserve's response is in terms of fighting inflation, which is the key. All right. Well, we'll see what happens with that. And the next one is COVID. Um, Obviously, this has dragged on longer than anybody anticipated it would. But do you think we will turn the page in 2022 or is it going to feel like more of the same? No, I guess the easy answer is more of the same. I hope we turn the page. Mm -hmm. We've already said like we've exited the tunnel multiple times and we go right back into it. So... We sure have. All right. How about crypto? Will the crypto market reverse or continue to grow? Oh, that's a fun question. You know, just recently there was an article out that says institutional investors think that digital assets is like the asset class most likely to crash. I think it's a little misleading. I bet if you also asked uh, professional investors, what is the asset class that has the greatest chance of like tripling or quadrupling, it probably would also be digital assets. So As for what I think, it's going to be extremely volatile heading into the new year as well. Right. Okay, let's get your market outlook. Stocks and bonds, what are we watching for in 2022? Well, I like to think this is kind of an easy call because we've had such a phenomenal year in terms of returns. And even though we've had some pretty crazy days, overall volatility has been below average. So the call for next year is I think we're going to see below average, albeit positive returns for stocks, but we will see more volatility. All right. Last one. Super Bowl predictions. A sports question. All right. Uh, Super Bowl prediction. Okay. Well, obviously I'm in Omaha, so we have to watch a lot of Chiefs games. The Chiefs just keep winning right now. Of course, I've spent a lot of my career in uh, Boston. And so you do have the great story between the New England Patriots and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I guess we'll go with uh, Buccaneers and Chiefs again in the Super Bowl. Okay. We'll see if it happens. All right. Well, it's time to bring in our guest. Brian Dobbis is the Director of Retirement Solutions at Lord Abbott in New Jersey. Brian, welcome to The Weighing Machine. 
Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. Am I allowed to chime in on the uh, on the Super Bowl as well? Come on Absolutely. in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, as my colleagues know, I am a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan. Ah. So that's where you could all start booing me. That's usually what happens. Uh, <laughs> but it's been 25 years plus. Uh, we haven't sniffed the Super Bowl. So uh, hopefully this will be the year. You're in New Jersey. How can you be a Cowboys fan? I don't they kick you out of the state. There's a lot of us here. In fact, the timing of this could not be better. The Cowboys play the Giants this week at MetLife Stadium, and with the Giants having a, uh, a rough year, my guess it'll be 65% Cowboy fans wow. in MetLife Stadium. There is a huge contingent of us in the uh, North Jersey, New York area. Nice. Good luck. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for your take on that, Brian. And before we get started with questions for you, I'm going to throw it over to Rusty for our traditional opening question. We have a lot of great questions for you today, Brian. And of course, I think this next question could be about as fun as the Super Bowl question. And that is, we need a walk-up song. We need to have a song that people can imagine they're hearing as Brian Davis comes up to the plate to take these, these interview questions from us. Alive by Pearl Jam. Mm. I like it. Yes, that's our first Pearl Jam too. And I love that song. That's a good one. I am a huge Pearl Jam fan. I've seen them live roughly 15 times. Wow. Uh, and hopefully many, many more. And seeing that song or hearing that song live and seeing the way the crowd goes crazy, uh, it's usually the encore, the house lights come on, you get very emotional. You just get that like the adrenaline pumping and it just gets me every time. That's a good pregame song for football games too. Absolutely. My Absolutely. favorite song is Black. For some reason, it's one of the only two songs in the world that still makes the hair in the back of my neck stand up. That is probably not a good walk-up song. No, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is true. All right, good stuff. Well, Brian, so you have been at Lord Abbott for 19 years, I believe. Can you tell us more about the work that you do there and how you came to the firm? Yeah, yeah. It's, I just passed my 19-year anniversary on December on December 2nd. Uh, it's 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 flown by. Uh, I've had a number of roles here over the years, all under the uh, the, the retirement umbrella. Uh, I started out as an account manager, uh, handling, you know, being the uh, the go-to for 401k plan sponsors. And, and I've worked my way up as an analyst. Uh, and now, uh, I, the last few years, I've served as Lord Abbott's Director of Retirement Solutions, which in, in essence means I write the retirement content for the firm, legislative updates, uh, asset gathering ideas, different techniques, strategies, um, updates regarding rule changes. And pre-COVID, at least, and hopefully this will change again soon, I was out on the road um, meeting with financial advisors and their clients, uh, giving a lot of these ideas and updates and kind of bringing the education out, out, to the, uh, out to the public, how to save smart for your retirement. All right. Well, um, so Brian, another question for you. You have a lot of letters after your name. We've got QPFC, QPA, QKA. Can you tell us about what those credentials are and what do you recommend as the best credentials for advisors who want to become retirement experts? The running gag among my colleagues and my wife uh, is you can buy anything on Amazon, in including designations. <laughs> but uh, all, all kidding aside, uh, all those designations are through uh, the American Society of Pension Professionals and Actu Actuaries. 
otherwise known as the American Retirement Association. They are a group I've been part of for years that have gotten all those designations. They are a trade group based out of uh, uh, DC, I think actually specifically Virginia. They educate retirement specialists to educate financial advisors and other practitioners. And they also work on uh, policy as well. Uh, So when there's potential changes to rules, we have the folks down at uh, the American American Retirement Association working with policymakers to make sure nothing's overlooked or if they're looking to change something, what some of the ramifications could be, make sure the policy is sound. Great. Well, let's talk about retirement. First of all, just in general, how are investors doing preparing for their retirement? Yeah, that's that's kind of a, uh, a loaded question. Depends who you ask. Um, you know, I, I, in some of you, in your some of your introductory remarks, uh, you know, you mentioned the market has performed very well over you know the last last few years. Um, however, I'll, I'll I'll answer it this way, and I think people are very excited to see their four hundred one k go up as opposed to down <laughs> or their IRA accounts. However, what we're seeing as an industry, which is pretty fascinating, is the accumulation piece of retirement is relatively straightforward. You can contribute X amount of dollars to your 401k or IRA, et cetera. It's what happens once you've reached what I call the deaccumulation piece, other known as income. How do we turn that account value of 100K, 200K into income that will meet your, meet your retirement lifestyle? And that whole transition is something the industry is still working on and, and, and sometimes battling, battling with due to the number of rules and laws and changes, so on and so forth. All right. So how are financial advisors helping investors prepare for the retirement and what could they be doing better? I think a lot of the advisors are doing a tremendous, tremendous job. And what I would tell the advisors to continue to focus on is taxes and not only federal and state taxes, but all what I call the stealth taxes, all the other things that can impact a retirement account withdrawal. So for example, Rusty, uh, you know, if you have folks that's starting to take income from an IRA, which you can do it, you know, anytime after 59 and a half, in essence, you don't have to wait till RMD age. Besides increasing your, in, your household income, what else could that impact? Well, Medicare comes to mind, your Medicare premiums. And a lot of folks, you know, aren't aware of how Medicare premiums or Medicare as a whole, the program costs. And, you know, a lot of times I'm out there and people are surprised when I say it costs money. And like, wait a minute, I thought this was free. I thought I paid for it. Throughout my paycheck, that 1.45% that's withheld from your pay throughout your year. So I, I think we just need to dig down a little bit in, in terms of financial planning and all the potential things that can happen due to taking a retirement account withdrawal, which then leads me into Rusty. And I know I'm probably going on a little bit longer here tax qualified hierarchy. Mr. You know, the client has, say, a Roth IRA, a traditional IRA, a health savings account, a taxable account. Where do you draw the income from and how do you draw the income to get the biggest bang for your buck? Yeah, that is sort of the confusion out there. So there's so many different retirement vehicles. So what are the preferred retirement vehicles for investors now? And, and you being the retirement nerd, so you would have the opinion on this, but how should that mix of solutions evolve in your opinion? I think through the direction and the guidance of the financial advisor, there's no one size fits all. It depends on each person's facts and circumstances, Uh, whether you do a pre-tax contribution into your 401k, you do a Roth, maybe you split it somehow, you do a Roth on the outside, a health savings account. Uh, And and if you don't have the, the disposable income for all these accounts, that's where the advisor adds a ton of value to determine which accounts in that hierarchy of contributing to, to ensure that when you start taking those withdrawals, you do have what I call tax diversification. 
because each type of account is taxed slightly different. For example, a health savings account may be taxed differently than a traditional or will be taxed differently than a traditional IRA, assuming it's qualified distributions. Well, let's talk about um, some specifics here. Can you talk more about Roth IRAs? Explain what they are and what is their appeal? Well, the appeal, uh, Robin, of, of the Roth IRA is twofold. The two headlines of Roth IRAs, so to speak, are your earnings, your contributions plus earnings may be distributed tax-free, and there are no lifetime required minimum distributions. So when you hit age 72, the government isn't, isn't forcing you to take income you may not need. It's quite the perk to be able to save in a Roth IRA potentially for decades and decades, and then you take your withdrawal in retirement and there's no taxes. To keep in mind, you do need to meet a couple of very easy requirements in order to have that tax-free withdrawal. It's not automatic. You need to hold the account for five years and be at least age 59 and a half. Uh, assuming you meet those two pretty simple requirements, all your earnings are tax-free. And, and Robin, to piggyback on um, Rusty's earlier question, if you take tax-free withdrawals from a Roth, it doesn't impact your taxes, nor does it impact Medicare premiums, uh, nor does it impact your adjusted gross income, nor does it impact your Social Security benefits. So you see there's a, there's a positive effect here with Roth accounts long-term. And who should consider investing in a Roth? What, what type of investors? I think everybody should at least look at it. Whether it's appropriate or not, that's again where the advisor comes in to see it's appropriate. But I think if we're looking for that sweet spot, it's your younger individuals who are just starting their career who have potentially decades and decades of tax-deferred growth with the ability of tax-free distributions. And more times than not, they probably don't need the tax deduction that a pre-tax 401k salary deferral offers. So for the younger people right out of college, more times than not, the Roth does, does make more sense. And again, just one other thing, you know, Rusty and, and Robin, for, our, for the listeners, it's not an all or nothing. You can choose, you know, you can split it. The, the, the contribution limit for this year is 19500 uh, You can split it any which way you want, as long as you don't exceed the annual limit. And why aren't more investors using them? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. The good news is more are. Not as many as we would probably think. And I know I get this question a lot. What's better? What should I do? And I think that there's some confusion. I mean, if we take a step back, we have Roth IRA, we have Roth 401k, we have Roth 403b, and the rules are all slightly different. The contribution levels are different. The eligibility rules are different. So I think sometimes it's just, it might sound kind of cliche, but it's a matter of education. Mm -hmm. And what is a backdoor Roth IRA? Oh, I'm so glad you asked this question. One of my, one of my favorites, the backdoor Roth IRA is, is a strategy that evolved out of a previous tax law being repealed. So in order to be eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA, the government says you have to satisfy an income test. So your income can't be over a certain amount. So if you're single in 2021 and your modified adjusted gross income is over roughly $140,000, the government says, no, you can't contribute to a Roth. Sorry. However, what you can do via what's known as the backdoor Roth is make a contribution to a traditional IRA on a non-deductible basis and then turn around theoretically the same day, Robin, and convert it into a Roth. And as long as you don't own any other IRAs, that's a tax-free conversion. So at the end of the day, you're making one extra step and you're still getting the benefits of a Roth long-term. One more on Roth IRAs and then we can move on to another topic, but can investors set up Roths for their children? Oh, yes, absolutely, Robin. Yes, I love this question. Roth IRAs for minors, one of my favorite topics. I try to talk about this to anyone who will listen. 
There is no minimum age to establish a Roth IRA. A lot of people say 16 or 18. That is not true. All that is needed to make a Roth IRA contribution to a minor is earned income. The child needs some form of compensation, W-2, Schedule C. We're seeing a lot more teenagers that own their own business. They're entrepreneurial. They're self-employed. They own their own business. As long as they have the earned income, they are eligible to fund a Roth IRA up to the lesser of $6,000 or the amount that they earned for the year. Well, I do have one more retirement question. And you know what? I'm just thinking about this. This is a great time of year to ask it, though. This is going to be published, this podcast, right after the new year. And that is, do you have like a checklist that investors should be thinking about in terms of what they should be doing in terms of maximizing their benefits and minimizing taxes before year end? Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's an annual uh, exercise. I write up, uh, draft a uh, a checklist, 2021 checklist. It is uh, it is available just to look through and ensure that you're maximizing all your tax benefits for 2021, including a 529 account, your IRA, your 401k, your 403b, and then just a lot of administrative stuff. If you have inherited an IRA, if you know you had a family member or a friend that passed away and you inherited that account, there's some rules and deadlines that apply there as well. So yes, we definitely have a number of different checklists to review to ensure that you do meet all, you're, you're maximizing those benefits. Yeah. All right. So here's another topic. And I think this is a fun one because this, I think, is even more underutilized. This is my guess. You would know better. But our health savings accounts, HSAs, can you explain what this is, how they work, and how people should be using them? A health savings account is a tax-qualified account to offset future medical expenses. So uh, talking, you know, earlier, Robin asked the question about why more people aren't using Roth IRAs. That same question can be used here as well. Why are more folks using uh, health savings accounts? And simply, it's education. Uh, HSA, first and foremost, in order to be eligible to contribute to one of these accounts, you do need to be participating in your employer's high deductible health plan. So you have to be enrolled in a certain type of medical insurance called a high deductible health plan. Assuming you are, you're probably eligible to contribute to a health savings account, which Rusty, Robin, is triple tax advantage. You heard that correctly, triple tax advantage. So what does that mean? That means if you make an HSA contribution, you win, win, win. You receive a federal and most likely a state tax deduction. Your dollars grow tax deferred and all your earnings are distributed tax free for qualified medical expenses. So think about it like a Roth IRA with a tax deduction, but to be used for medical expenses. So again, let's say I have an HSA. Let's say that I've got, I don't know, we'll just hypothetically say I've got like $2 million in it and I pass away. What happens to it? Goes to your beneficiary. Okay. Health savings accounts are non-probate assets. So just like your 401k or IRA, always name a beneficiary. Does it remain in HSA? Depends on who the beneficiary is, Rusty. Yeah. If the beneficiary is the surviving spouse, it remains a beneficiary. So ideally, if you're married, you want to name your spouse as your beneficiary. Whereas if you are not married, you would name a non-spouse. But folks, keep in mind, there's no such thing as an inherited health savings account. So what happens is, and this isn't the best of things, if you inherit an HSA as a non-spouse beneficiary, the entire amount of the health savings account is subject to income tax in the year of death of the account owner to you as the beneficiary. So using your example, Rusty, yeah. if I'm the beneficiary of anyone but my spouse, I now have $2 million of taxable income. Wow. 
All right. So the one thing I might have missed regarding HSAs is how many times are they tax advantaged? Three times. <laughs> Three times. <laughs> I think that is pretty amazing. All right. So I want to shift to now a little bit to some of our favorite questions here on the podcast. And first of all, I think that you would have an outstanding opinion on this given all the work you've done with advisors over the years. But what do you think makes a good financial advisor? One that listens. One that one that is there to really take in all some of the esoteric type information. Uh, one that is is always reading up and learning what's new and educating him or herself constantly. I've been doing the retirement stuff, you know, the retirement for 20 plus years and it changes annually. And we've seen that over the last few years with the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, the SECURE Act. So the financial advisor needs to be up on a lot of these things. So of course, the investment in the portfolio is so critical. And that is, that's of course, so important. But no, being familiar with the tax rules and the changing of the rules of tax qualified accounts is so, so important. All right. So our next question has become a recent favorite of ours. And, and, the, and it goes like this. So in our profession, we all have an obligation to perform at a high level. And what are your wellness practices, both physical or mental, to ensure that you are performing well? Meditation. Meditation daily, sometimes even multiple times. I found it is, it's so simple. It's, it still amazes me how it works. I mean, I know that's, I, uh, pre COVID, I was on airplanes constantly and in delayed and whatnot. And you can do it anywhere. You can do it from an airport. You can do it from an airplane. You can do it from your own desk. You know, just take 10 minutes and, and close your eyes and relax and be, and be present. I could not speak higher about meditation. And how long is your practice? Is it, it sounds like it could be two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. The flexibility is great. You can do as little as three minutes. Uh, you can do as many as a couple hours. I've never gone that far. Uh, personally, I think the longest I've ever done is about 40 or 45 minutes. Yeah. And I know that might seem long, but it's amazing how fast it goes. And you just feel so much more relaxed and at ease afterwards. Good tips. All right. Well, before we let you go, Brian, do you have any recommendations for reading or listening material for investors and advisors? Well, again, since my background is in tax qualified accounts and retirement accounts, I cover, I spread a wide net. I use a lot of different uh, uh, medium, uh, whether it be the internet or Twitter, mass publications, financial publications. I, I can usually extract a little bit of information from various, from, from various resources. That being said, I, uh, I would suggest people do the same with whatever they feel comfortable with. And you'd be amazed at how much different information you can find by reading the same article from two different publications. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, it's been really great to have you on the show today. Thanks for coming on. And how can listeners... Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. And how can listeners learn more about you and the work that you're doing at Lord Abbott? Please reach out at uh, www.lordabbott.com. And uh, we'd appreciate that. Thank you. Oh. Yeah, Brian, thanks a lot. I mean, some of these topics are so important. And, and I agree. I think a couple of these, these vehicles are underutilized, whether it's Roth IRAs or HSAs. And so thank you again for coming on the show and very important topics and good luck to your Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. <laughs> thank you, Rusty. Thank you, Robin. You too. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this week. Rusty, take us out with your final words. Stay balanced and stay the course. We'll be back soon. Thanks for listening to The Weighing Machine. And thank you for your time and trust in Orion Advisors Solutions. The Weighing Machine is hosted by Rusty Vanneman, Chief Investment Strategist at Orion Advisor Solutions, and me, Robin Murray, freelance writer and editor. If you have feedback or questions about our podcast today, please send us a note at rusty at orion.com. 
All opinions expressed by Rusty Vanneman and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and don't reflect the opinion of or endorsement by Orion, its affiliate subsidiaries, and its employees. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for legal, tax, and investment decisions. The opinions are based upon information that participants consider reliable.